for the blessing this morning. I really appreciate that. When we do waste it, we throw away one of the most precious commodities he gives us. Each minute is irretrievable, an unredeemable slice of eternity. As we live through different seasons of life, sometimes we are faced with unexpected change. Accidents, natural disasters, job transfers, and the like take us by surprise. And they change our perspective for better or for worse. And what has become probably the best known part of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells, lets us know that this side of heaven will never fully understand why such things occur. His perspective is that all changes in life are arranged by God. Most of this you'll recognize from, from the song made popular by Pete Seeger. We're going to see what God has to say about the balance of life and time. If you want to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3, I'm going to actually be reading um, verses 1 through 14. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. If you'd like to stand, I know you, uh, as we read scripture, that would be wonderful. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. You may be seated. Now there's something very poetic about Ecclesiastes 3. The contrast between the good and the bad. I truly wish that some of the bad things were in that list. Uh, some people wish that there wasn't a time for weeping or mourning, I kind of wish there wasn't a time for war and that there wasn't a time for hate. But this is a part of the world we live in. It's a part of what experiences we have in the world. Ecclesiastes allows us to find meaning in the difficult times as well as the joyous ones. Without war, could we really appreciate peace? Without mourning, could we know the joys of dancing? In this chapter, Solomon shows how our lives have structure. To people without faith, time simply rolls onward with no apparent rhyme or reason. Accidents happen, and they're all alone in the world. For believers, 
This is a time ordered by God's providence. Evidence don't just ha- events don't just happen by chance. Verse number one says, a time for every purpose under heaven. God is with us and is actively involved in our lives. Solomon lists things common to all of us, a time to plant, a time to build, a time to laugh. When he does this, he unveils life structure and complexity. The world has a divinely regulated, built-in flow. No one, none of us, can alter God's design. The original language implies that for everything, there's a suitable time and a particular season. Life is not a string of random, random events. The seasons turn. We see them in a series of opposites, and between the opposites is a balance put forth by God. Now, beyond, behind me is uh, a timeline. Not the screen, right here. This is a timeline. And on, on this end, there's an arrow, and that goes on forever. And that side goes on forever. The arrow fell off. <laughs> but the first letter over there, and I know you probably can't see that from where there, but the letter is letter C, and that stands for creation. He gave man, bless you, he gave man everything right there. Right there in the Garden of Eden. Everything we ever needed or could ever want was given right there at that point. The next is an F, and it stands for the fall. Right here is the next mark. The fall, the time we fell out of relationship with the living God by choice, I will add. Several thousand years later, God chose to redeem us. He redeemed time. The greatest event that ever took place in all eternity, the coming of his son, Jesus Christ, his birth. The simple definition of time, B.C. and A.D., starts right there at the birth of Jesus Christ. The redeemer of all time came right there. The past and present and the future through his life and death. Now, a couple thousand years later, not quite as powerful as as the other times, is this first S, and that's me. That's my birth. Okay? But as unpowerful as that is, Scripture tells me that God knew that date before I was born. Right next to that is a, a letter S, and that stands for the love of my life, Sarah, that I met. The next letter is an S, that's my daughter Stephanie. And the next letter is S, that's my son Stephen. Now the B is where my life radically changed. That's where I was born again. That's where I accepted Jesus Christ. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the child of the King. And all those, these little, those are G's by the way. Those are my grandkids. The end is right now. September 26, 2010, this minute, this second, right here in the middle of eternity, there is as much time on this side of the line as there is on that. Absolute, perfect balance. This line goes on 40 billion miles, times 40 billion miles, times 40 billion miles, times 40 billion miles. And it goes that way too. And we're right now, we're in the middle of eternity. Absolute, 
perfect balance. Now, in my house, in the corner of the living room, stands a grandfather clock. This grandfather clock was a gift to my wife's great-grandmother in 1889. It stands in the middle of my, uh, at the corner of my living room. And the thing about this grandfather clock, which is probably like a lot of grandfather clocks, in order for it to work correctly, it has to be perfectly balanced. It has to, how many have a grandfather clock in their, in their house? Isn't that right? It has to be perfectly, if it's off by a smidgen, it won't work right. If it's off by a little bit, it goes like this. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. doesn't go tick-tock, tick. So I use shims. I use a level. I've used glasses of water. Everything I could to get this old clock working. And it might, I might get it working for a day, sometimes a week. But eventually, if it's not balanced correctly, it will stop. Many, many times I've wanted to put that in the garage. But it's my wife's great-grandmother's clock. So, right now, it's been running perfectly for about six or seven months, right? I think I got it. The only problem is when it's 10 o'clock, it strikes 11. So, (laughs) see, being perfectly balanced isn't easy at all. As we look at life, this is what God calls us to do. Not balance clocks, but balance our lives as Anthony was talking about. We are aware, we are aware when we're out of balance. A shim here or there sometimes helps. Try a prayer instead of a shim next time. Now this next uh, mark here is a question mark. That's my death. I don't know when that'll happen. It may be right now, but I don't know when that'll happen. But I know there's one thing in common. We all have that question mark. Our time will come to an end. There's a verse, Ecclesiastes 7, 2b. I'd never heard it before, but I read it. It's Ecclesiastes 7, 2, and it says this. I love this verse. I want this on my, my gravestone. It says, For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take heart to this. I love that. Who else is going to take heart, right? The dead aren't going to take heart, but the living better realize that death is the destiny of everybody, okay? When you look at examples, a lot has happened between creation and now, right? Between creation and Christ's birth, my birth, my marriage, even though there hasn't been a lot of time between some of those events, a lot has happened. Each breath and each thought that you and I have taken And he thought that the other seven billion people in this world have taken, have been orchestrated by God. Think about that. How many breaths have we been taken already in here? And they've already been, they've all orchestrated by God. How big is your God? Now, one of the biggest constants of time is change. It's one of the toughest things in life that God... uh, does to us, but he makes us go forward, doesn't it? By the way, God never moves backward. So we're always moving forward. God never changes, but he changes the universe. We live in a world of change. Spring becomes summer, summer becomes fall, winter becomes spring, and so on. The young become old, and the new becomes old, 
My computer runs slower. My gas prices never stay the same. Change in service times, different kinds of music, everything we're involved in includes change. Change helps you not to be, I love this term, grace potato Christians. It helps you to grow inside. It stretches you, it challenges you by causing you to grow through the trials and tribulations of life. Some of us know people right now that are going through some incredible trials. Incredible trials. But there will be incredible change in their life. As Christians, we've gone through incredible changes. First, we're blind sinners. And then we are made alive in Christ. God is constantly changing our lives and our hearts to be more like his. Are you observant to the things that are changing around you? How many are sitting in the exact same pew they sat in last week? Okay, try a change. <laughs> Do you watch God work or are you oblivious? Do you marvel at his handiwork or do you stop to smell the roses? Or do you rush through thinking that you will miss something? Sometimes years pass, especially when we see kids like a couple years later, and we think, where did the time go? Observation is a key way to being alert to the way God works in our lives. Now, I love Sherlock Holmes. I love, I love the stories. I love, I'm, now most of you don't know who this person is, but I love the old Basil Rathbone movies. How many have no clue who that is? That's what I thought. Okay. Get, just go to Netflix. You can get some movies. But I'd always try to figure out the stories before the end. I seldom could. But the power of observation always intrigued me. Sherlock, who, who doesn't know who Sherlock Holmes is? Okay, good. He was this sleuth, could always observe everything. Now, most of the time, the answer was what? Obvious. But I would always make it more difficult. Always. Now, Sherlock Holmes and Watson were camping one night. In the middle of the night, Sherlock Holmes woke up and looked up at the stars. He asked, Watson, what do you see? Watson woke up from his sleep, looked up, and he said, Stars! Yes, but what do these stars tell you? Watson said, well, Holmes, cosmologically, they tell me that we are part of a large universe, that we are one of billions and billions of planets. Theologically, Holmes, they tell me that we have a great God who made all of it. Meteorologically, they tell me the sky is clear, we'll have good weather tomorrow. <laughs> Intellectually, they tell me it's the middle of the night and we should be sleeping. <laughs> now, Sherlock, what do the stars tell you? Well, he replied, they tell me that someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> the obvious. Often we take the simplicity of what God is trying... Now, if you didn't get that, you'll get it on the way home. <laughs> the simplicity of what God is trying to tell us and show us, and we mess it up with stuff. God makes and allows changes, and we delve into things with so much and don't 
take me wrong on this, theological mumbo-jumbo that we just don't see the problem is that our tent is missing. Slow down and observe the God of the universe. God's splendor. We're going to take just a moment and I want you to bow your heads and in quiet, quiet time we're going to understand God's splendor. As you bow your head, I want you to just be thinking of beauty. What you picture as that. And as you do that, I'm going to read some scripture. You can respond however you want to. If you want to just keep your head down, that's fine. But I want you to soak in his sovereignty, his incredible majesty and glory. Bow your heads. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He set them to place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and living birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for His people a, a horn, the praise of all His saints, of Israel, the people close to His hearts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are our lives so unbalanced and busy that we don't take time to spend with our Lord? If you tell me that there isn't enough time in the day, I will tell you that that's blasphemy. God gave you all you need. You may raise your hands. I love what Martin Luther wrote. I have so much to do today that I will, shall spend the first three hours in prayer. How many of us take three hours a day to pray? How many of us take three hours a week, a month, three hours a year? I'm going to focus on the next verse, and it's chapter 3, verse 11. And, and, and in that verse 11, he says, God has made everything beautiful in his time. 
He has also set eternity in the hands of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. How many like jigsaw puzzles? Some of you like jigsaw. How many hate jigsaw puzzles? Okay. But you all know what a jigsaw puzzle is. Okay, you're just given a box. This puzzle has 10 million pieces. Little pieces. There's no picture on the top. Now, understanding that every part of life can be as perplexing as figuring out the placement of each piece of a large puzzle without looking at the top. And we know each piece contributes to the beauty of the picture, but we don't know how. Solomon said God has made everything beautiful in its time. That's a promise that overflows with optimism. Everything will eventually fit together to form a beautiful picture. Wouldn't it be nice to see the box top God has for you? He doesn't always give it to us. But everything's in order. My kids would not have happened if I hadn't met my wife. They wouldn't come first, would they? I couldn't have been born again if it was before Christ came. I can't die before I'm born. There's an order to every part of our lives. So he gives us something better than that picture. He gives us hope. We can know that God has drawn a bigger picture for our lives, a picture that will make sense of all the unexpected changes because we have hope in our lives. As you look back on your life, can you see any events I know you can, or experiences that at the time seemed useless or even harmful. Has good resulted from that? Maybe. Have you found it possible to thank God for those changes? Perhaps you've had experiences of which you've seen no positive benefits. How many have seen that? You have some things that nothing has been positive. That's when faith enters the picture. Romans 28 reads what? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. All things. Can we believe that? Can we rely on God to keep his promises to us? His timing is perfect. Faith means trusting God even when our timing disagrees with his. We can all get out of tune with God's timing. Time to make peace, but we continue to quarrel. Time to be quiet, but we speak. Time to speak, but we keep quiet. Time to pray, but we watch television. Time to go to church, there's a game on. Time to relax and be with our families, and yet we continue to work. Right? Yet through our, all our human failings, God's purposes will be accomplished. Ecclesiastes 3.14 says this, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Would you pray with me? And ushers, would you come forward, please?
Lord, now is the time to worship. Now is the time to give our hearts. God, we think so often that we don't have enough time, that our lives are too busy. And if they're too busy for you, Lord, they certainly are. Lord, we take this offering now, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the time that was spent earning money so that we can tithe for you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read the serenity prayer. And you all know the serenity prayer, but there's more to the serenity prayer than what you normally hear. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now that's where the prayer usually stops. However, the full prayer continues on. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathways to peace, taking as he, Christ, did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever 
and the next. May God go with you all the time.